Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. You got to accentuate the positive Eliminate the negative Latch on to the affirmative Don't mess with Mr. In-Between You gotta spread joy Up to the maximum Bring gloom Down to the minimum Have faith A pandemonium liable To walk upon the scene Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. I am your host, Katrina Jones, along with Hasina Roach and Wanda Miles, who will not be joining us today. Um, How are you doing, Hasina? I am doing great. I miss Wanda. Oh, Wanda, we miss you. <laughs> right. And you see, you see when she's not here, you see I put on the wrong music. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's happening? Wrong intro, but, but I'm Yeah, I had to go with the flow. Mm. Um, but today, we are very excited to have with us Dr. Patrick Jabowin, who is currently running for state representative of District 95 in the County of Broward and the state of Florida. He works as a community outreach liaison um, and meets regularly with community groups to engage in dialogue, listening to community concerns while providing assistance through information, services, and programs, including crime prevention tips and practices. Utilizing his skills as a people person, Dr. Jabowin has been instrumental in bringing our community together and is a pioneer in the community since his arrival in South Florida. It is his skill set as a problem solver, people person, and tireless advocate for the rights of all within our Broward community, which makes him a valuable state representative for District 95. Patrick, thank you, or Dr. Jabowin, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, it's definitely an honor, and Patrick is fine with me. And I'd like to say <laughs> uh, good afternoon to you, Ms. Roach and Ms. Jones, and to your listening <laughs> audience. It is an honor. It is a pleasure to be with you ladies today and just um, having a conversation for a while. Um, and, again, I thank you for this um, wonderful introduction. I think I need to take you on the road with me. So thank you. <laughs> you, you. You are welcome. And I know that's just a few of the uh, community involvement um, activities that you participate in. And, and, you know, we'll have you talk more about some of the uh, some of the things that you do. I just want to kind of give a disclaimer, just say that um, it's through the, the leadership circle, which you're going to talk about a, a bit later, that that, that um, Hasina and I um, have been acquainted with you. And um, whenever I, I go to the leadership circle or uh, talk about the leadership circle, I just get so excited because it's just such a great place for uh, people to come together um, who are civic-minded to, you know, not only uh, address or, or bring up what the issues are, but to come with solutions. But I digress. We'll talk about that later. Um, so, Patrick, I want to ask you, tell us something about yourself, um, your your education, uh, work history, civil engagement, leadership. All of the above, right? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> well, let me say this. Patrick Jabwin, right now, I'm a candidate for State House of Representatives District 95, um, and I am the people's choice for a candidate for District 95. Where um, A little bit about Patrick Jabwin. I moved from New York. I grew up in New York. I uh, was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, 
I left Haiti at the age of eight years old. So I grew up in New York, and I moved down to South Florida in 1990. And I had been involved in South Florida from the time that I stepped foot down here as far as um, civically and um, making changes and helping other people. With such an organization as the NAACP, I was on the executive committee of NAACP. I've um, been on the board of um, Broward County School Board Diversity Committee. But prior to coming down here, working in New York um, as a businessman, I've, my background was in financial. Um, in the financial world, I worked um, after college. I started out in a fast track, um, I would say, program regarding um, consumer finance. So that was more or less of um, making loans with finance companies. I worked with, in the banking industry and as a licensed real estate broker. From 1981, I had been licensed in the state of New York to do real estate. When I moved down here, I also got my real estate license in Florida. So I've been working in real estate. I was fortunate enough to work with um, Broward County Board of Commissioners in real estate doing eminent domain. That's when you're buying properties for the county. And um, so um, that was quite an experience. I did that for about five and a half years with Broward County and also started my own business. So I had real estate office and I had other salespeople working for me. So I've been licensed in real estate and um, insurance and studied for, well, real estate for over 30 some odd years so from 1981 till present that I'm still a licensed broker. And moving fast forward, moving down here, working in um, right now, as you mentioned, I'm a community outreach liaison, and that is working for the Broward Sheriff's Office. And as a civilian employee, this Are you there, Patrick? I think we lost him. Oh yeah, he dropped off. So um, okay, he'll he'll call back in. He'll call back in. Right. Oh, so so what I got so far is that he's from Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and he left Port-au-Prince when he was eight years old. He made it to South Florida in 1990. What I would love to know is about his education. He has the title of doctor behind his education, so I'm looking okay. forward to hearing exactly what well, he's doing with that. I I'm know he's bring a community liaison. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him back in. Okay. Hello, Patrick? Yes. Hi. And, um, okay. Hi. Sorry about the technical difficulties that we have no control over. No, no worries, no worries. Yes, I so we were just kind of recapping. Yeah, we were just kind of recapping um, some of the things that you talked about. But go ahead, we're listening. Yes, so basically, and um, from working um, within, I've always been a people person, not only as with the sales background and um, within real estate and the financial um, consumer finance. So I've always been reaching out, and I'm one of those that's always trying to help somebody help themselves, so to speak. And this is with that, as we get older, that you get wiser, and you're trying to find ways of packaging your skills and your experiences and see how you could more or less to fine-tune what you have done over the years. And this is where we're at right now with regards to um, I've been um, president and um, not just sitting on boards, but presided over different organizations or founded members. I founded, uh, I'm one of the founding members of the Caribbean American Democratic Club in Broward County. That goes back from 1995. Um, we started also the Caribbean Cultural Coalition in Broward County, which is a cultural organization which were responsible for um, such festivals as Unifest in Lauderdale Lakes. And we did United Fest in Lauderdale and several other um, sporting events or cultural concerts and so on that we have done over the years, just promoting the various culture and the diversity within Caribbean um, cultures. And also um, from being involved 
overall, um, over the years, um, I always say God got a sense of humor. And um, I responded to and being obedient and continued study on when I thought I was going to go the route of um, a lot of people had suggested going to law school and so on because of, of me being involved over the years and always trying to advocate over an issue or another. And But I decided to go um, the route of studying theology and um, more or less leadership. So this is where that... Um, Spent five years or more studying with regards to um, theology and um, with um, leadership training. So this is how um, what I got my um, my degree in from Maranatha University. Uh, my doctorate, um, both my master's and doctorate, with Maranatha with regards to um, what uh, what you would call um, Christian psychology as far as counseling. But being that I didn't want to just um, concentrate on counseling, so I used that to facilitate and help people with leadership training. So this is where we're at, and this is where that um, come up with the idea of um, for civic engagement and initiated and founded an organization instead of just having a ministry. So I founded an organization, um, help for you which is an acronym, H-E-L-P, which stands for His Eternal Love and Power for You. And we help for you. We had looked into, and we'll go into details because, um, um, with regards to the leadership circle, is just one of the, I would say, one of the many projects that we look to do to help for you. But help for you, trying to concentrate on five areas, um, five areas of development, and that is personal development, educational development economic development, um, civic engagement, which you would call political development, and spiritual development. So each one of those areas to try to fine-tune and help somebody. And basically what I do, as you ladies know from participating, is just to facilitate. And uh, leaders actually do most of the work by networking and sharing their life experience and their skills together. So I just facilitate the circle and bringing out and trying to get people engaged as far as what they do best into the community and trying to reach out to other folks. And it's been working. We've been doing that for the past oh, five years now. And with not just political um, elected officials, as well as community leaders and spiritual leaders and so on from the community, people of different of life just coming together. And the whole idea is to find something that is positive that you are doing in the community. What is it that you're doing? And you know, what we give you the platform to tell us what it is you're doing in the community positively without having to complain. And which we trying to help you to be able to deliver your message within two minutes. Because most of the time when you go to a public forum, you don't have more than three minutes to express yourself. So we're trying to get you to do it within two minutes. So that's um, coming to the leadership circle. And right now, from working over the years and um, helping other candidates and uh, helping other folks, this is where that um, not only friends and other colleagues, which they have asked me in the past, but my my kids are grown now, so I guess now it's, it's about um, it's, I have agreed and say, okay, I will take it. I will take the baton and run with it and decided to throw my head in the ring and to run for state representative of District 95. This is a district that I've been living in the past 25 years. Um, I've lived and worked in this district and voted in every election that I was eligible in, and I have worked with other elected officials within that district, so I understand and know the district very well. And I know that I can make a difference, and this is why I'm asking for the people's support and asking for the registered voters to help me to get to the um, to the victory line and to help make a difference, to go to Tallahassee and represent this district, which I know that I definitely could take it to another level and um, to give the representation that it's totally deserved. So um, I'll pause a little bit and let you guys tell me so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. 
Well, some of those questions were ones that we are going to share, but you pretty much encompassed a lot of them. So I'm going to throw one out there, pretty simple. What is your passion? And tell me how your passion mixed with your education into where you are today of running for District 95. Great question. My passion with doing what, believe it or not, my passion, and I realized it um, after, my passion is public speaking. And I've always um, found myself excited about um, people who are very eloquent, you know, great speakers. And um, I've always um, to listen to, uh, you know, this may sound boring as a young a youngster listening to speeches. Because what people and I was always fascinated by that, and like when I see somebody excite a group or being able to motivate, and I'm saying that goes back from the days of Marcus Garvey and people of that nature that I've learned from folks like that. And when I listen to a Marcus Garvey or, um, or Malcolm X or Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy, you know, you could go on. The list goes on. So whenever I hear a great speaker, I used to just listen. Their all rhetorical skill, how they able to discuss them just in a few words, and even preaching. When you hear certain preachers, what makes a preacher better than another? So I was always fascinated, and even some politicians. And the same way, you could hear sometimes somebody may have command of a particular subject, but in the delivery, you could watch. They don't um, excite the audience or not being able to get their point across. So I've watched that too and learned from those skills. So my passion basically um, as a public speaker, I'm trying to fine tune and get to the point where I would be able to to articulate and to say some of the things. And um, I've been blessed to be fluent in other languages and I would like to be able to speak um, to various audiences the same way that I'm speaking in English. Like I keep telling people, a lot of times this happens to be one of the most difficult language, um, languages, and um, I'm still working on it to master it. So, and But I think I've, um, I'm doing okay in it. I'm able to, commun- and to me, I'm able to communicate with other people and um, understanding other people and other cultures. My passion. And um, with nice. regards to how it helps help me right now, that would help me to um, to become a better public servant because um, one of the things that I've learned for effective communication, um, it has to be that you have to be a great listener. So I'm learning to be a good listener and still working on it. And so this way I could listen to the my um to others and see how I could um, amplify what it is that they would like to say. And this is why that um, I'm trying to perfect those skills and see how we can be um, a speaker, a voice for the voiceless, so to speak. Hmm. So tell me, I like that. What languages do you speak? I'm sorry? What languages do you speak? Um, right now, I'm I'm fluent in Creole, French, and Spanish. And wow. as I say, I'm still working on English. But I grew up um, Spanish. I picked up in school in New York. I grew up speaking French and Creole in the household. So I, I definitely give my parents credit for making sure that we were able to still express ourselves in both Creole and, and French and um, in my days because now, with my other generation, I find it a little harder when I speak to my kids in Creole or they answer me in English. Next thing you know, you don't even realize that the conversation has turned to English. But in my days, my parents used to make sure that, hey, we speak in Creole. Keep speaking to me in Creole. <laughs> so, But nowadays, it's a lot easier So, um, for them to, because of the fluency in English. So when they talk to me in English, we turn out and we continue in English. But, um, yeah, those are the four languages. And I hope to pick up Portuguese along the way because being that there's a closeness between Spanish and French um, sounding words in Portuguese. Once you have the Latin roots, it's a lot easier to pick up other languages. So I'm very fascinated Mm -hmm. 
by being able to communicate and understand the diverse cultures um, through languages. And I can definitely agree with you that English is a challenging language. English is my first language, but teaching a young child English and reading to them and trying to have them read to me and explaining all the special rules that we have in English, I can definitely agree with you that English is not an easy language to transition to. It is. It's not. And it's, um, but like you said, um, now it's becoming a worldly um, use that um, you speak English around the world and um, in many places, of course, that you're able to communicate with others because of the, um, not only diplomacy, but you're looking at the superpower that America is. So wherever you go overseas, you're bound to find somebody that probably have lived in, a, in America or at least able to communicate with you. So it helps. Right. Mm. It's, it's interesting, uh, Patrick, when you when you talked about um, speaking to your children in Creole and they answer you in, in English, I can remember, uh, I believe it was at one of the leadership circles, uh, there was a, a conversation going on, and I don't remember the root of the conversation, but I remember it came out. I think an attorney may have been speaking um, but I re- uh, about immigration, but I remember it came out that after two or three generations um, you know, the, those, those uh, generations, um, you become Americanized, and, and often yes. they do lose their roots, um, you know, from, from where their parents or their parents' parents originated from. Um, so that's interesting. And you can look at any immigrant groups in the United States that um, after a while, once they have acclimated them, that they have adapted to the American way of life, that um, from generation to generation, whether it's European or people from other Latin America or um, from the Caribbean, after a while that they start, um, the other generations um, start using um, English more as an American than it is with the native language. Even though that, um, and as you know, um, as your listening audience know, even though you have people from the Caribbean with different accents, but there are certain changes, certain um, tonality or certain ways about their patois and so on. But after a while, the next generation is more Americanized than anything. So, and it's interesting, but um, that's the way, that's what makes us, you know, that uh, melting pot, I guess. And I was thinking we are definitely a melting pot. All right. Can we ask you... One thing before we move forward, I wanted to ask a couple questions or make some statements about the leadership circle. One thing that I love that you do is you ask about where is the need or where do you see the need and how are you helping? So you have people have a thought of, okay, how can I start having an action in what I do? And then you try to connect people. And then also your two-minute intro. That is very important. You're you're also actually training the people that come to be able to do an elevator speech, which is very important in corporate or whatever level of, uh, let me see, how you're going to network with people. When you network with people, you need an elevator speech. So it's good that you do time us to say, okay, what do you want to talk about? This is your need. This is what you do and you put it out there, and it stays the same. And I think that makes people in the leadership circle grow. And one of the terms that I use um, is um, from Scripture, when you say iron sharp and iron, um, in other words, um, we could learn from one another. And basically all I do, um, if you notice in the leadership circle, I'm not trying to be a teacher or to um, profess that I know it all. I'm trying to more or less facilitate and somehow, and in any given moment, depending on the topic that we are discussing, somebody's leadership, somebody's skills is going to take over that particular meeting and help somebody else out. So this is what I'm just trying to bring about. And um, over the years from participating in public forums or um, um, attending public forums that I've seen too many times that we have people that let's say, for example, goes to a commission meeting, of a um, city commission meeting or a county commission meeting, and with good attention probably wants to articulate a situation, something that they would like to see change come about. 
but because of this person's passion or emotional stage that they, within two minutes they barely got their point across. And at that time they get frustrated because the chair of that meeting wants to move on if it's a public speaking forum. Basically, okay, we got you next, you know. And then the person never got a point to say what it is that they wanted to say. Then I had always wanted to say, you know what, we need to train our folks to be able to just um, understand the protocol when you go to a meeting as such that, yes, you greet and you say who you are, you identify yourself, but you come straight to the point of what it is that you wish to discuss without showing any emotion. Because at times, if we upset that chances are you're going to come out in, within your speech to be upset. So you never get your point across. If you're saddened about something that, so sometimes um, if you're able to train yourself and you don't have to show any emotion, and we are emotional beings, what I'm saying as far as um, African-American, that we are very emotional as far as the way that we come across and um, articulate. So sometimes um, that could be um, detrimental to you when you step up in a public forum. So, and I think from us being practicing, and I know a couple of times I have other members, um, other people that have participated in the leadership circle and tell me that it has helped them with their presentation skill or going to a public forum and remembering that, hey, you got two minutes to, even though if they may give you more time, because there's places that would say, okay, you got three minutes or four minutes. But if you know that you're able to deliver in two minutes, that's even better for you to just wait after a while and then answer answer the question. But at least you get the gist of your conversation to go out within the two minutes. Right. I love that. Yeah. Understanding the process of how politics works. Um, now, now, Patrick, we're going to go to a, a commercial break. But before we do, um, can you tell our listening audience who are local to Broward County, um, how they can participate in the leadership circle if they so choose? The leadership circle, yes. And um, they are welcome to participate in the leadership circle. We have it the fourth Saturday of each month. And um, unfortunately, this month, we, um, because of the political campaign, we didn't have a meeting this month. But we're planning on picking things back up and getting more people involved. Um, they could attend the Leadership Circle. We have it over in Lauderdale Lakes at, at 3772 West Oakland Park Boulevard, and which is in um, Lauderdale Lakes. This is a multi-purpose, um, actually, is the community um, outreach on the BSO, the Broward Sheriff's Office Community Outreach um, Center over there in Lauderdale Lakes, and that's at 3772 West Oakland Park Boulevard. Once a month that we come together and invite people of all walks of life. And, and we yeah. meet from 1 to 3 p.m. 1 to 3 p.m., correct, from 1 to 3 p.m. Awesome. And I always tell people, awesome. just remember, 4th Saturday, 1, 2, 3. That's easy to remember, 4th Saturday, <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3 p.m. So this way awesome. to um, mark your calendar. And we'll be sending out more invitation. And um, I appreciate this platform for us to invite more people, and it's open. And one of the things that I always keep telling folks, we are not asking you to join any new organization. We are not trying to sell you anything. There's no network marketing, nothing. We just want to come together and you sharing your experiences with each other. And that's what it's all about. And civic engagement, because we're concentrating. One of the key things is about government, the governmental structure of Broward County, understanding the governmental structure. That's one of the key things that we're trying to do. But we are open to other topics. And I know you say you want to take a commercial break, so definitely we could come mm-hmm. back and give more information. Yeah. All right. I love it. Civic engagement. All right. We are going to go to a commercial break, and we will be right back. Satori Life Skills Institute is an instructional business institute offering business development classes to aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development. We are a team of consultants that specialize in specific areas of business. We come together to provide a comprehensive package of services using a holistic approach that ensures that you receive leading-edge information in leadership, social and emotional intelligence theory, and practical application. Satori Life Skills Institute is dedicated to empowering aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development in the areas of self-care, career development, 
business building, and wealth consciousness. We'll help you find the answers to powerful questions. How am I conducting business? Am I living my mission statement? Am I leaving this place better than I found it because of my contribution? We offer coaching sessions, consulting, and business and personal development classes. Satari Life Skills Institute. We've developed a series of classes that provide real-world tools and strategies that yield solid business, professional, and personal results. Basic bookkeeping, what business owners need to know. Be successful, how to start and stay in business. How to survive in the U.S. business culture. Networking to get business. We also offer free one-session workshops that provide education and resources that outline the steps that startups need for success. And then there's our Mastermind Business Group, an ongoing monthly support group that focuses on aligning goals, learning, and growth with other like-minded professionals. To learn more about our classes, visit us at SatariLifeSkills.com. That's SatariLifeSkills.com. S-A-T-A-R-I LifeSkills.com. Or call 800-590-0056. SatariLifeSkills.com or 800-590-0056. And join us here weekly on Positively Affirmative every Sunday at 5 p.m. Satari Life Skills Institute. Transform and grow your life and business. All right, and we're back. We are back with uh, Patrick, Dr. Patrick DeBowen, who's currently running for state representative of District 95 in the county of Broward and state of Florida. So, Patrick, I wanted to ask you, what exactly does a state representative do? Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. Yes, hello? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, sometimes we drop off, and I just wanted to make sure I hadn't dropped off. No, I'm um, it, all right. Yeah, to answer your question, I did hear that. Um, what exactly does a state representative do? A state representative is a legislator um, going to the state house of representatives and basically making laws, a lawmaker. You go um, when a bill, a citizen initiate a bill and get it to a state representative and who then get it to a committee and they have to try to get a partner within the Senate. And once, um, when I say a partner to sponsor the bill, and the bill after they, it goes through the um, process of various committees and come out of the Senate, couple well, first come out of the State House and come out of the Senate, and then it goes to the governor to sign off on a bill. So it could be an existing law that you would like to uh, amend, or it could be something brand new that you want to initiate and to start out. So it's a lawmaker to to make laws in Tallahassee. And within District 95, and um, District 95 consists of portion of seven different cities. So that district, um, this is ways that you could try to make some changes. I'm looking forward to becoming the state representative that would represent that district, um, the next state representative. So therefore, to try to get um, some new laws or um, to make some changes to some existing laws and to see how we could better serve the community. And also the state representative, key um, function is to try to bring back funding from Tallahassee to their district. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that, because you have a state budget. Through the state budget, they allocate certain funds, earmark for whether it's education or businesses or whatever it is, so it is your job to try to negotiate and making sure that you're bringing back millions of dollars to your district, depending on your district needs, and um, having the blessing of your community. So you represent your So that's why you hear a lot of times state representatives say, I was able to bring back such and such amount of dollars for this event, for that, you know, for this program and so on. So it's understanding the needs of your constituents and to bring about and making sure that you affect the budget because there's a state budget um, within the state of Florida. And when you go to the House of the uh, Representatives, the State House of Representatives, there are 120 lawmakers. So I'm looking to be one of 120. 
So therefore, he would be one vote out of 120. So there's like a lot of compromising that's necessary for you to communicate and being able to um, push your point across. And like everything else, there's going to be some growing pains because when you just get in as a freshman, I'm sure there's going to be some orientation and some a price to pay for for learning. But um, because I've been active in my community over the years, from day one, I want to be equipped to be able to to get my point across. And I'm here to serve, and I'm here to help make a difference, and I will have the mandate of the people. So this is what you're going to go on and making sure that you you do it. And it's a lawmaker and getting budget um, dollars back to your district. Okay. Okay, so I have a follow-up question. Okay. What things would you go to Tallahassee with to bring back to these cities that you will serve? Say that again. Where do you go, you say? No, I said what things will you bring back to these cities that you serve? What things in the budget will you push for that is needed in these cities? Well, in my cities, being that um, one of the things that I say, I'm fortunate that I've been living in the city and um, that I understand the concerns. I share the same concerns in the city with regards to um, the needs. In other words, I'm not saying I'm 100 of anything, but um, some of the things that I'm talking to the voters right now, people are very concerned regarding public safety. Um, whether it's an elderly person or youth, that they are um, concerns about, well, um, whether it's from, you know, uh, in the streets as far as, uh, I would say, a perpetrator in the street or maybe having to be concerned with these days of being pulled over by the police if it's going to be your last day for traffic um, violation or... I'm not knowing. So understanding your rights and how to go about things, that's one of the things. With regards to um, housing, um, people are still concerned about um, affordable housing, even though there are certain programs that was, uh, that's in the books that's um, out there, but they are still not accessible to the average person with working. Um, you have young folks who are unable or for that matter, people first-time home buyers who are not able to qualify because, you know, with the mortgage situation in the past um, 10 years with the bubble bursting and all that, so um, people are not able to get new financing for housing. You're looking at small business in the community with regard to um, small business owners not able to get grants or um, not in, even able to, um, I would say, to survive over a two-year period even though they may have a good business plan, but they don't have the capital to continue to stay in business. So I'm looking for a program. And all these that I'm saying are certain things that um, I'm not going to recreate, reinvent the wheel. There are certain things that's already there that you just have to tap on and make sure that it comes back and you bring it back to your um, district to make sure that they find, when you're looking at affordable housing, there are things at the state level that's already there. Um, whether to to help first-time home buyer, I'm looking at um, issues with regards to um, helping existing homeowners. Um, even though it's not in the news, um, I would say as far as um, headline, the way that it used to be maybe a year or two years ago about foreclosures. But we have a lot of people who are still faced with foreclosures. We have a lot of people that uh, are under the water with their housing. In other words, they owe more than they, the house is worth. Um, you still have a situation even though the housing market rising are going up. Um, and experts keep telling you that it is stabilizing. You have a lot of foreign investors who are able to come in and purchase in cash. So it's not the average person who are able to buy properties um, through financing because a lot of them, when you look at somebody making twenty-five, thirty $30,000 a year, they aren't able to afford a house because they're not qualified for it. You know, so this is um, when you do some of the assumptions. Interesting. Concern, yeah, with public education because you have 
issues with regards to um well the whole idea of um what people are looking into so called private privatization or private schools or they're thinking that if they go to um, um you know, as far as certain schooling there's a lot of talks but public education is still we have to hold them accountable because our tax dollars go there and we have to work with certain school districts and making sure that they are the uh, children are getting the um the proper education and the schools so that they are getting the right teachers in the schools and teachers are complaining about not being and not earning enough. So there's a whole um array of them. I would say there's a lot of issues to that you would have to take one step at a time with regards to um whether it's charter school versus um public education you're telling the charter school is taking funds away from them. This is what's affecting them. And um all the charter schools is a choice that parents have that you want the parents to also have their choice, but you want independently that um there are funds allocated for everyone equitably. Um, so those are some of the issues that you want to bring to the school board because where your choice may be to go to charter school and uh, somebody else may not may feel comfortable keeping their kids at, um, you know, within the public school system. We have schools that sometimes are, um, you know, um, not um, favorably and um school board wants to close it down because um and the teachers or maybe um you heard all the controversy of state wide um exams such as the FCAT and things like that. So it's just to be able to work with the local school board members. And again, all this that I'm saying is just a way of being aware of some members. Now you you're breaking up a bit, Patrick. You're breaking up. Can you hear me? Okay. Is it, can you hear me better? Yes. Yes. That's yes. good. Okay. No, I was saying all this um, that I say is just a matter of working together with the school board members within the district of finding out and the, with the school superintendent and Broward County school um, the schools where, um, let's say, where within my constituents, um, where it is affected, affecting some of the children and see how we could make things better. And mm-hmm. um, and when you go to the state, this is to be uh, uh, to advocate for more dollars to come back to the school board where it could work effectively and um, to help make the changes. And also to get them, um, and with going back to the civic engagement, to get the parents involved because at times, as the parents are not aware of what's taking place in the um, children's school, they aren't able to more or less say, um, they would like to see changes. So you have to educate the parents as well in the process of understanding what takes place. And so this way, um, everybody have a vested interest to help make a difference. So those are some of the things um, in a nutshell. And, of course, like everything else with regards to, I mentioned with the public um, safety, with education, and you're looking at business, so that's touching with economic development. Um, but we also look at the health care issues. Health care, as you know, in the state of Florida, and you hear people talk about the universal care um, with regards to the Obamacare that they have titled Obamacare, that the uh, government, um, the governor, have not accepted certain funds over the years from the federal level that affected, you know, um, Floridians with regards to um, health care. Um, Medicare and Medicaid and so on. So those are issues that's going to come. And it all depends on what happens in Washington, and it trickles down what's going to happen depending on who comes in. You you hear the Republican um, nominee say they're going to more or less get rid of Obamacare the minute they get in, and we're hoping that if the Democrats get in, that it's going to continue, you know, that um, or even – um, if there's going to be any changes, that is going to be for the best of the people. So all this, those are issues that's going to be coming up in the near future as far as with health care is concerned. And you hear a yeah. lot of living in South Florida, we can't neglect the fact that I'm with the environmental. You hear things about, you know, um, with regards to the Port Everglades and with the 
um, level of sea. You know, there's so much going on with the sea turtles, and there's so many things with regards to environmental. So, and I look to not more. Um, you're not gonna know all, um, know it all, all the topics, but you have to more or less listen to some of the experts and people in, within the field. I reach out to people who are working and understanding and listen to them, and those are the folks that I would be getting my advice from and see how can I help make a difference when I go back. So to be well-equipped to discuss. And, um, again, with diversity, it's an issue. And I say this because this is a word that is thrown around in just about everything in today's um, society. As far as people tell you, I have a diverse um, diverse. Um, background, diverse um, Are you there, Patrick? issues. Yes. Are you there? Hello? I can Athena. hear you. Okay. I can hear you. I'm making sure. Okay. Yeah, I was saying with regards to diversity. And what I mean by diversity, we're looking at Hello, Athena? Yes. I'm still here. <sighs> we can hear you. I'm here. Did we lose Ms. Jones? Katrina, can you hear us? I think she might have got knocked off or something, Not but continued with your diversity. And then I would like to know who's in your district. What cities? Did I say that again? Hello, Hasina. What cities are in your district? The cities in my district, a um, portion of seven different cities is um, Lauderdale Lakes, Lauderdale Hill, Margate, North Lauderdale, Plantation, Sunrise, and Tamarack. Those are the okay. seven cities that portion of District 95. Okay. Okay. And can you tell our audience why it is important to vote? Oh, it is extremely important to vote. Um, um, voting, this is when you get to exercise your, your voice. And um, there's so many folks that have lost for the voting rights. They have lost their life just to get us that voting right. And I think that's when you help to voice your opinion um, by choosing a candidate or whatever that you are voting on an issue. This is your way of exercising your, um, I would say, duties. Um, right now you have, you have a situation that folks, um, especially with the emerging of a lot of immigrant groups, and plus, a lot of people are being purged from the voting. Um, you would say people that have had um, their rights um, taken away because of whether of um, being um, incarcerated or for whatever reason that they have had their rights taken away. So Huge problem. you have more of an yeah. obligation. Yes. So you have more of an obligation to vote because you are speaking for those who aren't able to speak. And um, and that's that's double that obligation because um, when you are eligible to vote, and I tell folks that you should be voting in every election that you are eligible. I have been yeah. voting since I was 18 years old, and I've managed to every time that I was eligible to vote, I made sure that I exercised that right to vote. And you learn through the process, but more importantly, I always tell people any candidates, you get to know more about a candidate during the campaign. That's why you have that campaign period um, for you to find out not just a candidate that tells you what you would like to hear but what is that candidate going to do for you um, that you think that candidate could better represent you or to affect not only you, your family and your neighborhood. Your, you know, how is this candidate going to help you um, to help make a difference from another candidate? So those are some of the things that you look into a candidate, not whether this one is better looking than that one or I like his name, or I like her name, or she's pretty, or she's um, he's handsome. Um, those are not, you know, that's superficial. You need to make sure the candidate is able to represent you properly. You know, you bring up some very, you bring up some very good points, Patrick. And you know, I just want to say that you know you've enlightened me um, on the process of what a state representative does. But before I go over, um, we're going to go over it a little bit on our time. Are you okay with that? Yes. Yes. Um, okay, okay, great. Okay, great. Um, you know, I think that you've, you've, you've 
talked about some great points and the fact that advocacy is needed for for citizens, uh, for our voice to be heard, and is so important. There's so many groups out here that have lobby, you know, that have lobbyists out here, um, you know, with with political power that are advocating for uh, policies that may not be in in my best interest. And so, to have someone at the state level who um, who I can trust and um, who I know, uh, is, you know, is an advocate for the people is so important, you know, so very yeah. important. And it, it does give us a voice. So I like that. It is. It is. And uh, at times, I'll give an example. Uh, um, when I had mentioned with the state representatives, there's 120 um, state representatives, representatives that get elected and, um, with their respective um, legislative district. And this is for a two-year term. And then they get elected for a maximum of eight years. Um, in other words, four terms that you could spend in Tallahassee. But they have, an, um, based on what the State House of Representatives, Florida House of Representatives, each member represents an average of about 156,000 people, roughly, residents, within, you know, based on the census from 2010. So more or less, and we know that the decision is not going to come from all 156,000 people to just choose a leader. At times, depending on how much funds that's raised, and one candidate may be able to get their message across better than another, you know, because we've lost the grassroots of just um, being able, you know you're not going to be able to knock on the doors. In my district, out of that 156,000 or so, um, I have maybe about 84,000 registered voters. And even then, I know not all 84,000 is going to be able to vote. Okay. So you're still going to be able to come. So they are ways of, so that's why you have some folks, again, the points of special interest group. So maybe as a special interest group pushing a particular candidate, chances are that candidate, once they get to Tallahassee, well, guess what? They're going to be more concentrated, you know. They're going to be more focused on more of those interests than trying to concentrate on the overall. So that's why you want to balance it out to be able to work with everybody and understand ways of representing the constituents that you are using. Okay. Okay. So we just have a few more questions for you before we wrap up. <laughs> yes. What policy changes would you support to motivate individuals to assume a greater sense of, of individual and community responsibility? As an individual, what policy changes? Repeat the question for me again so I could probably. Sure. What, what policy changes would you support to motivate individuals to assume a greater sense of of individual responsibility and community responsibility? Great question. Um, with regards to, I can't just say one specific policy that I would uh, more or less um, say, okay, this is, um, well, I would have to balance it out to see what's in it and compromise something that is um, a policy that would be able to affect the greater community. In other words, not just um, this one individual, but something that I, um, people have in common. And there are certain things. I'll give you an example. Even before that, I get to Tallahassee. We have, um, yeah, I've heard people have talked about the stand, stand your ground rules up in Tallahassee with regards to this is a law that um, in Florida and had been very controversial in the past couple of years with as far as shootings and um, not to go into details or, or for whatever reason that there's not being equity as far as fairness into certain things. So there are ways, there are some legislators who are looking at ways of making sure that they would um, more or less try to bring amendments or to do away with certain policies that's already there in the books as far as laws to change the rules, to change the law. Um, you have issues right now that we're talking about with uh, um, law enforcement that the body camera for police officers across 
So in Broward County, we're looking at uh, um, the Broward Sheriff's Office over in favor of making sure that um, officers will have the body camera that may be to be able to um, <laughs> bless you. Oh, bless to be you. able to thank you. <laughs> to be able to uh, more or less, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, to capture the daily events of a police officer on the on the job. And but there's also some questions with regards to the rights of the civilian. In other words, that this police officer is just responding to a domestic affair. You know that um, uh, your rights being violated with a camera rolling in your household. You know, and maybe there's certain things that was not. So there's a lot of things that still yet to be uh, a lot of questions to be answered. So those are some of the policy changes that I would see that in the very near future being involved in where it's affecting an individual as well as the community at large. I don't know if that really answers your question, but I'm just want to give it to you in a nutshell. Okay. That's, I think it's, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Are uh, you okay, okay with that, Christina? Yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> we can yeah. talk after the show, no problem. Well, I have the last question of our hour in our radio show. We went over a little bit because I think these issues are very important to address. So this last question is, polls show that most voters don't vote or they don't think government works, so they don't vote. What what kind of reform would you have? to address the underlining structures and systems that seem to be the major cause of this problem. Let me ask you this before I answer the question. When was the last time you participated in a poll? Every time. I don't miss a you beat have. since they I have called you. No, but I'm saying you have been, a pollster called you that you have answered questions for a pollster. For recently. a pollster? Yeah, in other words, you have been, no, you say polls shows uh, my point is that a lot of times the polls tend to say out of a thousand people that they spoke to and so on. And a lot of times the average person, I've never been part of a poll. So therefore right. I don't just, yeah. I would definitely say some, some polls, yeah. because a lot of times it doesn't capitalize everyone. It does yes. give maybe the majority vote. And as we do know, in probably Broward County, the people that are voting are not the ones that take the polls. Yes, and unfortunately, a lot, of, and a lot of times the polls tends to dictate a certain ways that um, to expect, and it's not going to happen. I foresee exactly. that there's going to be a, a – I would like to see more voter turnout, and I predict that in my district, I'm hoping everybody comes out and votes for Patrick Jablin Sr., of course, to help make a difference. And uh, so whatever Paul say, it's going to be because my, my, for example, although August 30th is a primary race, but my race is a winner take all. So there's not going to be a, um, a runoff or anything. So it's just August 30th is the election. So therefore I'm not um, relying on um, more or less a runoff or anything of that nature. So with regards to turnout, yes, um, you have to find ways to be creative. I don't want to divulge too many future things, plans that I have, do have um, with regards to my campaign to get the vote out and to share with any of my opponents. But I would say this, um, we think out of the box of finding ways of making sure we motivate and mobilize people. One of the things that we want to help overall in Broward County, which we have done in the past, um, a lot of groups are doing what you would call public forum um, with regards to candidates forum and giving you an opportunity to listen and hear some of the candidates. Um, we are having on August 20th, which is the first day of election, um, I would say early voting. Early voting um, in Broward County, we are going to have a concert. It's going to be a free concert in the city of Sunrise for approximately about 300 people, because that's what the theater holds. And uh, But let me say this. In the, what we have done in the past is gather people together and to go over a simple ballot. And not only that you have a simple ballot, but you will be able to talk and see some of the candidates that you're going to be voting for. So we're hoping to have that. And, um, of course, 
in my race, you're only going to get to meet me because I'm not going to allow my other um, opponents to come in. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, but seriously, (laughs) I wouldn't have it any other way. But um, you have the races, the judicial races that's taking place. There are so many candidates in the judicial races. Right now in Broward County, you're looking out of 90 90, um, judges, there's only um, six black judges in Broward County. So there is room for for improvement. You're looking at um, there are some constitutional officers, as you know, with um, to the leadership circle, who are those constitutional officers? The race of the sheriff, the race of the supervisor of elections, and um, the state attorney's um, race. So those are some of the races that's taking place um, as far as countywide. You have county commissioners. So there's so many things that's happening, but. Like I tell people, and I re, um, always reminding folks that local politics affects you faster than the state or national will uh, affect you. So you need to be aware of what's going on right in your backyard of understanding. So, yes, it is important to participate. It is important to understand what's taking place in the election, and this is why we're trying to see and do our part to mobilize and get the people out, to get out the vote. So. The community involvement is important, so we need to get people to come out and vote. Exactly. I'm going to step away because I have to do something with responsibility. I thank you, Patrick. I have to step away right now. All right. And we will definitely have this conversation later. Thank you. And I thank you for the opportunity. Ms. Jones, and Pat- and so that was the last question. You had another question? I'm sorry. It, it was. No, that was the last question. Um, but I want to say that the election is August 30th, 2016. And also want to say that um, the concert, if you would like for us to post that on our Positively Affirmative Radio or Positive Affirmly Facebook page, we will absolutely do that for you. Yes. Yes, I definitely It sounds like it's going to be guys- fun. <laughs> Yes, then you guys are going to be one of the partners involved. So definitely, I thank you in advance. Yes, absolutely. This concert concert is called the Voters Appreciation Concert. And Voters Appreciation, like I said, August 20th will be the first day of early voting. So the Voters Appreciation, in other words, they will be able to attend the concert where we will feature gospel, jazz, R&B, and Caribbean music. And I'm talking about talented and um, professional musicians, groups that they would love. And um, some people are probably familiar with Gary Palmer and um, GP Project. Uh, Gary Palmer is a jazz saxophonist. Um, he's been around, um, great sax player. We have a gentleman, in fact, he's going to be um, Lucky Plus. Lucky Plus is going to be doing um, uh, tribute to Prince. And um, this okay. is a great, you know, yes. And so from jazz and gospel, we have the Zion Church of God out of Sunrise that's going to be performing, so the choir and the band, so they'll be doing gospel music. So it's an international event. It's going to be fun. It's going to be quality entertainment, and it's free. And But it's more mm-hmm. party with a purpose. We're going to be also having a supervisor of elections there with um, being able to update your information and also being able to have a simple ballot by the simple ballot to be able to see who you're going to be voting for. So just to prepare yourself, those are some of the things, um, you know, that's going to be happening. Let me remind our listening audience that um, I'm asking for their votes. I'm asking for their support. I'm Patrick Jablin Sr., running for State House of Representatives District 95. I'm the People's Choice candidate. And I'm claiming this because um, the people have asked me to vote to run. This is why I'm running. But also, it cannot happen without your vote. I need you to vote for me, and I need you to support me, so this way to make it a successful um, process. But um, let me remind them, if you live within the city, the seven cities that I mentioned, and I'll reiterate, the cities are Lauderdale, Lauderdale Hill, Margate, North Lauderdale, um, Plantation, Sunrise, and Tamarack within a portion of those cities and look at your voters registration card. If it says State House of Representatives, District 95, you are able to vote for me. Also, contact me directly. 
at 954-254-3749. Again, my number is 954-254-3749. Or go directly into my website, elect Patrick Jabwin. A B S B B O U I N, Patrick Jabwin. Give that. Give that. Give that. Uh, give that. Uh, uh, that address once more because you kind of fade it out. Okay, the address is electpatrickjabwin.com. Patrick Jabwin is J A B O U I N, J A B as in baby O U I N dot com. When you go into that website, you will see information. There's ways of you um, contacting us, letting us know that uh, if you would like to be a volunteer, how you could help with the campaign. We are asking for your help to join the campaign, the People's Choice team. We are waiting for you. We are ready. We have an exciting team. That there's some great things happening, but we cannot do it. But I cannot do it by myself. I need your help. I need your support, and I need your vote to make it happen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Patrick Jabowin. Um, We want to thank you for being a part of Positively Affirmative, and we invite you back anytime. And I thank you for the opportunity and um, your listening audience. Uh, I know there's a lot of information that we were giving within that one show, so I definitely would love to come back anytime that I'm – uh, I'm invited to come back because I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to making sure we implement those um, things and keep up the great work that you ladies are doing because this is fantastic. Okay. It is desperately needed in the community. So I will spread the word every chance I get. Thank you again. Thank God you. bless you. Thank you. You too, and you have a great rest of your evening. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, bye-bye. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness. Join your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute, along with Hasina Roach, Relational Consultant and Radio Host, Wanda Miles. We teach aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development how to create positive shifts in their work life and balance so they can become the director of their own life stories. Is your life story one you would love to see improve? Then join us here live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Bring a friend and share the prosperity. is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.